The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro Collins Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with Eagle Mountain Mining. Code is EM2. Last sale price was 5.8 cents for a market cap of just under $18 million. To bring us up to speed on what Eagle Mountain's been up to, we have Tim Mason, the CEO, with us today. We've had Tim on the program before. So it's great to be catching up again. And since we last spoke, there's been some big news out of the company, namely a resource upgrade at its Oracle Ridge Copper Project in Arizona, about 30 kilometres as as the crow flies from sunny Tucson in Arizona, where uh, I see it's about 21 degrees today as they're heading into winter, so a nice part of the world to be operating in. So with that, I'll introduce Tim. G'day, Tim. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks very much, Barry. Tim, I've uh, given a clue there what the big news is. Tell us about this uh, resource update from the 2022 one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so we've uh, done a resource update, as you mentioned, at our Oracle Ridge project in Arizona. Uh, And to put it into context, we started um, a couple of years ago now. We had about 12 million tonnes in resource, and we're now up to over 28 million tonnes. So quite significant. Uh, Compared to the last update, uh, there's higher grades in there as well. Uh, importantly, it, more than half of the resource is now in the, the higher confidence measured and indicated categories. Um, so 28 million tonnes, there's gold and silver in there. The copper grade goes about 1.35%. And with those tonnes, it's really opening up opportunity for both higher production rates and a longer mine life, um, which is really important. And we've got then a good backbone of those high confidence categories to, to underpin uh, the mining studies. Uh, as well. So it's we're, we're really um, excited by what we're seeing with it. And a lot of it came about from getting underground. Um, we had about 50 new holes which went into the resource, uh, but we also managed to get underground and we did channel sampling as well. And that opened our eyes up to uh, the mineralization. We've got a better handle on the resource that we see. Um, and so it's, it's serving multiple facts. So it helped out with the resource, but it also, um, it's been refurbished to get underground. So it's, it's a really good asset. Nothing like seeing the mineralization up close. 100%. I often tell our guys, like, we've got the best drill holes you could ever imagine. They're, uh, you know, a, literally a drive that you can walk through and, uh, and look at it yourself. So... Yeah, just a refresh there. The, uh, it's originally a 1870s discovery, last mined in uh, the 90s. Um, so just give us a feel for what is the extent of the underground development that you're uh, being able to leverage off there? Yeah, there's about, uh, in, during the, most of the mining or the real mining occurred in the 1990s, 1990 to 96. So they mined about a million tonnes out uh, over that time. Um, so, and look, so compared to, we're now saying we've got 28 million tonnes uh, in our resource. So there's a lot of mineralization there. There's about 18 kilometres of existing development, uh, which is accessible. Uh, so this is a mine which we've refurbished. You know, the mines inspectors come up. Uh, we've got 
Uh, mine's rescue on standby, the safety things. Like it is a, you know, it's an actual life. This is not a Greenfields project uh, by any means. So it's great for getting for the restart of the project for sure. Mm, but the uh, feel for what it would cost to put in 18 k's of development in today's dollars? Uh, look, go back a few years, I would have said it would cost you about $5,000 a metre. So that's pushing about $100 million. And uh, we all know inflation's where that's happened. So it'd be well north of that now, I'd suspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned there the, the 380,000 tonnes contained. Obviously, uh, cut-off grades are important in, in terms of uh, assessing what sort of uh, tonnage you have. Uh, at lower cut-off grade, you could uh, would blow out to, what, 600,000, 800,000 tonnes of copper, would it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and this is done at a 0.8 cut-off. And what we see is when you drop the cut-off grade, even just a little bit, the, the resource really thickens up and it hangs together. It is less potty, uh, as you can say. So, you know, at the, you know, the cutoff grade of 0.8, you know, we've got plenty of zones up to, you know, 150 metres thick. Uh, so from a mining sense, you know, that's great. You know, multiple sub-levels means you can really get your productivity happening. And that's what really drives your know, unit costs and getting your costs down. Um, and, and the other aspect, which I'll point out, is there's two portals there which go into the side. It's on a hill. And then a lot of the resource is located higher than those portals. So from a mining cost perspective, we'd really expect lower cost mining compared to you know, other deep mining operations where you've, you've got to bring the ore up from a depth. Um, you know, and that just uses a lot of energy, whereas we're down mining. Mm, so gravity would be doing the work? Yeah. Mm, okay. Now, I've been at you in the past. What constitutes um, critical mass to uh, start thinking about future mining and processing operations? Are you at that point now with the 380,000 tonnes contained? Yeah, I think we're in a really good position to do that and, and we're focusing on that right now. Um, we've always said we want to increase the production rate out of this project. It, it just makes more sense. You get those economies of scale. Um, so you're exactly right. We're doing that work. Um, do we start thinking about even like conveyor systems to really even drive unit costs down even further? Um, or, you know, what is the appropriate mining method at these Stopes, you know, I really think it's probably sub-level um, open stoping uh, is the way to go. And so, yeah, we're doing the, that work exactly right. Right. Now, the previous mining operation was, uh, what was that, long hole stoping, was it? Yeah, that's right. They used, well, they only mined about six stopes out of it, surprisingly, over the time. So there was a lot of uh, development got put in place, I guess, as they were getting themselves ready. But uh, they didn't actually do that many stopes. There's stopes there which are still ready to fire. They've got drill holes just ready to, to pop um, for production. So, yeah, it's in a it's a really good position that we're in. Mm, okay. Now, I understand that you're assessing the uh, mining processing operation, uh, options, but uh, you're able to give us just a feel for the potential scale, broad range perhaps? Yeah. In terms of uh, copper production potential? Yeah, look, we want to become a, you know, a mid-cap producer. Um, and so what we're looking at is something that will put us into hopefully north of the, the 20,000 tonnes of contained copper a year, um, which is where we're, we're really striving for. Now, in terms of the process to get that, um, I think we've now got the resource, so tick. Uh, we've got to do the mine planning work to make that happen. But the other critical aspect is around uh, the processing. Uh, too. So we could go, previously they made a bulk concentrate on site, uh, copper, silver, gold, and that silver and gold added you know, 10 to 20% of extra value depending on the commodity prices at the time. 
but we see uh, potential to, you know, things have moved on in the last 25 years, uh, to do things a bit differently and get our costs a lot lower and go through to an SXEW and produce copper on site. That's where we're really focused. Um, and I'll explain why we think we can do that in just a moment. But if we can do that, it really opens us up to a raft of grants, you know, through the Inflation Reduction Act and the DOE, the Department of Energy, and then the Department of Defence uh, as well. So, yeah, there's been a lot of companies, you know, who are producing in the US uh, are getting some pretty amazing grants um, handed to them. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Novanix, um, yeah, they've got a graphite plant. They've got $240 million. Uh, Syrah have got $350 million. Uh, Talon uh, Metals, uh, they got over $100 million. Uh, Abermal uh, received a $90 million grant through the Department of Production Act. Uh, so there's some really amazing grants, but it, and a good precursor to that is you're producing uh, your copper or whatever your critical material or mineral is in the US, because that's what they're so. So that, that's what we're really striving for. And we think uh, our, and this is getting underground, what we really see is we've got some pretty key differences in our mineralization to help us get through to producing copper on site. We've got a lot of bornite, a lot of got a chalcosite. So I'll just get a little bit technical here uh, just for a moment. Um, and some of you listeners might know, the most abundant copper mineral in the world is chalcopyrite. Um, and chalcopyrite is notoriously hard to leach, but we've got a lot of, yeah, bornite chalcosite, as I mentioned, uh, and that has been shown to leach easier through different processes, uh, whether it's an Albion or uh, other sorts of um, leach technologies, which we're looking at right now. And we think there's some really exciting potential to make that happen. Uh, so then you could be looking at things like heap leaches, which can possibly remove the need for a tailings dam. So great environmental benefits. Um, and also some lower costs, maybe make a rougher concentrate, you leach that in the tank so you keep your footprint nice and small uh, as well. So we're doing a lot of work on the processing uh, as we speak. I expect some news flow out on that pretty shortly, uh, but we think that the opportunity for lower costs, improved environmental and then making copper in the US is going to be really, really exciting for us. Mm, and you are operating in a part of the world where there's not much they don't know about SXEW well. Yeah, technology leaders in that part of the world. Yeah, that's that's right. And there's you know, typically the SXEW is associated with the copper oxides, um, but there is a lot more groups looking at doing uh, these sulfide leaches, and they're very dependent on what mineralogy that you've got. Uh, so not everything's going to be applicable to all mines. You've got to be it's got to be fit for purpose. And yeah, like I said, our key difference is that we're hosted in limestone, uh, so we're not talking about acid leaches where uh, we'd be talking about something in an alkaline environment um, and really leveraging off the amount of bornite, which is a really high-grade copper mineral, um, and the chalcosite as well. Now, if we look at the 20,000 uh, tonne per year sort of production potential scenario, um, and then we look back at the market cap, 17.6 million, there uh, seems to be a big disconnect there. Um, I know that, well, I... Listeners here will know that the, a mine, the, the old famous uh, CSA mine in Cobar, changed hands recently. It's a 40,000 tonne a year producer, high grade, but from depths of more than a kilometre and a half. And it changed hands for uh, US 1.1 billion. 
You know? So I'm not going to take half of that and say you should be worth 550 million, but I'm just intrigued to know how you see the value uplift coming for the company. Yeah, no, you've made a very astute point there. And that's why we want to get these studies done and look at doing things a bit differently, not just doing things the way they were done before and really demonstrate uh, how much money and how much this project can produce, but also in a really uh, low emission, environmentally friendly manner. Um, I think that's a that subscribes to our values uh, and it can be done. So it just requires a little bit more thinking and using available technologies which are, are coming along leaps and bounds. Now, you've set a cracking pace there. I think you picked up a project about, what, roughly four years ago. Um, so what sort of pace can you maintain to get to a what investors will always like to know, of course, oh, when are you likely to start mining? Uh, look, yeah, that's a it's a great question. We haven't got a timetable on that out. The key focus, let's get these uh, these studies done. And depending on the outcome of that studies, we'll determine the, the time frame. But we really want to make sure, like copper's got such an amazing um, thematic, you know, leveraging off decarbonisation for, for higher prices. We really want to make sure we're, you know, getting ourselves ready to be in production as those copper prices, you know, I'd almost say inevitably take off because uh, there are so many uh, groups out there at the moment just worried about, and you've talked to so many analysts, where's all this copper going to come from? Like there's there's just this looming supply shortage of copper. Um, it has to come at some point in time and we want to position ourselves to be ready. Mm. Yes, uh, most people would assume that uh, there's not much joy in the copper price at the moment, but near on, I think it's US 380 a pound. Historically, that's a very good price. Obviously, inflation uh, reduces that, but you've got groups like BHP forecasting a a takeoff uh, in the next couple of years as that uh, supply um, demand uh, takes off for the decarbonisation effort. So lots of new mines are going to be needed. I think most people are forecasting 10 million tonnes of extra copper production by the end of the decade, which is 10 Escondidas, 10 of the world's biggest copper mines, uh, are needed between now and then. So against that backdrop, do you see copper stock, when do you see the, that copper thematic really taking hold of investor interest and uh, getting behind stocks like Eagle Mountain? Yeah, the go back about six months ago, uh, most analysts were forecasting you know, the back half of 2024 and then 2025 is really where we're going to see, though, the supply uh, demand uh, gap opening up. Um, but more, what I'm hearing recent, more recently is that that's, early next year, so uh, which would be pretty exciting. And it's not surprising either, I don't think. Um, you look at where the stockpiles are on the LME and, uh, and in Shanghai, which you know, you, I know you've got to take those with a bit of a grain of salt, but sometimes it's all that you can really look at. Um, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something fairly soon as, as prices increase. Mm. Yeah, one of the big factors, of course, is, uh, well, can the industry maintain its current supply? And overnight, there was some big news out of uh, Panama where I think first quantum mines uh, in all sorts of trouble with the legislators over there where they can continue on. And that's the equivalent of 1% of the world market. So, yeah. Okay, so we've uh, talked about the, uh, the MRR, the resource update. I was just wondering, it's... Looking at the uh, various maps the company produces and uh, the exploration is uh, it's an unfinished story at the uh, project. No, no, you're exactly right. So 
what we've been focusing on is the expansion of the current resource. That's what I was saying. Taken from that 12 million tonnes up to 28 million tonnes, and that's over an area from east to west of a bit over a kilometre. But this sits within a trend of about seven kilometres. So. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface uh, of what the opportunity is here. And that's, you know, when I say that seven kilometre trend is where we're seeing outcropping high grade copper on surface, geophysical anomalies, like just really exciting. But, you know, we've already got to 28 million tonnes. How much do you do we actually need here? Um, you know, did you start drilling out what's going to be mined in years 20 or years 30? That's quite expensive drilling. Our focus right now is just to. Uh, show that what we've currently got makes you know very reasonable uh, and exciting returns, especially with high uh, commodity prices. Um, but even at, you're exactly right; at current prices are still relatively quite good. So, um, yeah. Uh, then the other opportunity is then at depth as well. So we know we've got a scan, um, which is where you know typically they always come from a porphyry system, which could be lurking nearby where fluids have come up and they've percolated these these copper minerals and the silver and the gold and possibly other things as well uh, closer to the surface. Um, there is a big system has to have fed this at somewhere where well, we haven't started looking for that even at this point in time, but that is certainly, a, a, that would be a really exciting opportunity um, uh, at the right time to go and tackle. Yeah, we've uh, touched on that uh, previously and uh, I suggested, well, if we get, uh, you know, the US five pound copper, US six pound copper, like Goldman Sachs and others have been suggesting, there's every chance you'll get a knock on the door from a major wanting to uh, target the porphyry at depth. That, and you would be open to, well, at least talking to them, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think some of those, you do need the right partners on board to help you unlock and uh, get the full potential. So that they might need other other groups to, to get involved. So they would be certainly open to those conversations. Yeah. And a critical question, of course, um, how are you offer cash to uh, keep things moving along? Uh, yeah, look, at the end of the, the last quarter, we had a, we still had a few million dollars in the bank. So, look, we're still tracking, uh, tracking fine. We've reduced our cost significantly um, compared to the previous expenditures. The, you know, the, in the current market, um, that, that seems to be the right thing to do. But we're also at a point where we've expanded this resource and so we can focus on the studies, um, which are inherently lower cost. Them. Okay, so well, let's bring it all together, uh, Tim, and give you the vests. We're towards the end of the year here, so let's uh, make it a, a 2024 outlook. What should investors be looking out for from the company? Yeah, look, over the next year, Barry, uh, there's a lot of activity happening. Uh, we're doing a lot of test work and our key focus is to really expand and demonstrate uh, to our investors, you know, how much money this project can make, but also in a really environmentally friendly manner. Uh, key permits, we're going to be really pushing uh, to be getting grants uh, to help funding uh, the development of the project. Uh, and then, as I said, we've got some really exciting exploration targets, uh, which we will certainly uh, look to drill and demonstrate the sheer scale of this project. It's a lot more than what we've currently got. We feel like we've just scratched the surface. So, we're very keen to go and drill some of those holes. There you go, folks. A, uh, a mid-cap copper producer in the making. Uh, one for the times, too, with uh, copper expected prices expected to take off in the next couple of years. And uh, no better place to be doing it in uh, the US with exposure to the IRA incentives over there. And um, I'm sure the market cap will be, uh, next time we talk, or won't be where it is today. We know that for sure. Okay. 
Tim, thanks for your time. Uh, good luck with it all. Be watching with interest. Great. Thanks very much, Barry. Do appreciate it. Cheers.